0: Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Most of us will gather with our families and celebrate our blessings over the past year. But what does Thanksgiving mean to you? And what should it mean? Well, we'll look at Thanksgiving from a biblical perspective on this edition of End of the Age. Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining me on another edition of End of the Age, and I know that tomorrow, hey, it's the big day, right, and football, eating, all that good stuff, but it's much more than that. So we'll start at the beginning, and then I'm going to bring you through a lot of things we should be thankful for, talk about Thanksgiving, and um, from maybe a little different perspective than what you've heard it before. We know that Thanksgiving is a national holiday, which traditional, be, tr- traditionally began with um, the harvest feast by the English colonists. According to Britannica, the New England colonists were, they were accustomed to regularly celebrating Thanksgiving, the days of prayer, thanking God for their blessings. Not just one day, but days, plural, of prayer, Thanking God. However, for many, it's turned into a day to watch football and to eat a large dinner with friends and family. Now, not that there's anything wrong with football or a dinner, but the focus of God appears to have shifted just a little, right? I mean, let's just be honest here. I know tomorrow is set aside as a day of Thanksgiving, but the Bible says to give God thanks every day. James one seventeen, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything you have comes from God. If God took His hands off of your life, you wouldn't even exist, much less... Have anything. A lot of people think, well, hey, I've worked hard and I've I've accumulated a few things in this life. But the fact is, is that if God took His hands out of all of our lives, there would be nothing, right? And so we don't really have a lot to glory in ourselves. We should thank God for everything, all of my blessings. And, you know, I wanted to kind of bring this into perspective here because I I know, I'm in the news every day. I know that we're dealing with rampant inflation. Uh, a, A crazy government. I mean, come on. You guys are following this stuff. Open borders. Unbelievable national debt loss of our energy independency, a a ballooned welfare state, broken supply chain, we've abandoned our allies, we've aided our enemies, corrupted our education system, defunded the police, decriminalized lawlessness, uh, we've got apparent election fraud from all I can see, unless I'm just missing something, censorship, I mean, we're dealing with all these things, right? And much, much, much more. And, but with that said, think about it. We still live in the greatest nation on the planet by far and have much to be thankful for. Right? I'm thankful to the Lord for my family. Think about your situation. I'm thankful to the Lord for my family, for for end-time ministries, and all the people we're reaching around the world. For a roof over our heads. For food. For my good health. For a wonderful church that I attend. For all the many great friends that I have. And much, much more. I'm thankful today for America. Even as crazy as it is, And the chaos and turmoil and perilous times, I'm still very, very thankful for America. Most Americans live like kings and queens compared to the rest of the world. I'm thankful for our men and women in the military serving around the world that will not be with their families today, or tomorrow I should say, because they're, they're there to keep us safe. And I'm thankful for our police men and women keeping us safe here at home. And, you know, everybody, there's a really a million other things that we can be thankful for. It's all in your perspective. We do talk about world government, world religion, and all these different things going on in the world right now and in the United States. But wow, have we've got so much to be thankful for. But beyond all that even, I'm thankful to God for what He has done for me personally, my salvation, for... The act of Calvary, where he came and robed himself in flesh and died on the cross and was buried and rose again on the third day. And for his word, the Bible, and for a clear vision of the future, most people, or I, sh- I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people, they do not know where they came from, what's their purpose here on earth, why are you here, and where they're headed. What's the goal? What's the vision? Most people don't live like that. I live like that. I know where, I'm, I, where I came from, what my purpose here is on the earth, and where we're headed. So imagine not having these things, right? Well, the Bible says to give God, give God thanks in everything. And I want to do that today, and I want to show you a different perspective on thanksgiving. This verse is quoted over and over in Scripture. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. How many times were you healed when you didn't even know you were sick? You might be out there saying, well, God's never healed me. How many times did he heal you when you didn't even know you were sick? Or how many times has has he performed a financial miracle in your life and you didn't even know there was an issue? Or that he caused uh, something ahead of you, a tree to fall in the road, and you got angry because you were late to work, but yet he kept you from having a wreck down the road somewhere. Or you had a flat tire and God was sparing you from something bad that could have happened. Think about it. There's a million reasons to be thankful every single day, not just tomorrow. And I wanted to kind of refocus this today because I know a lot of people tomorrow, it's all about football and food. But as you go into the Thanksgiving season, remember, there's a million things to be thankful for, America and your family and your home and food and shelter and clothing, but more importantly... For God Almighty and what He's done for each one of us, we'll get deep into it after the break.
1: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com/future. Or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with a magazine, then went on radio and TV... It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you.
1: What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the NWH television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gave peace and understanding about what the Bible says serving End Time Prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Psalm 100
0: verse 4 Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Ephesians 5.20 Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks... For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hebrews 13, 15-16 By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Not just one day a year, but continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God wants you to thank Him. You should want to thank Him. Revelation 7, 9-12. through 12, The Bible says, This is during the, a future vision of heaven that John saw. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all kindreds, peoples, tongues, and nations. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts. And they fell before the throne on their faces to worship God. And they said, saying, Amen, blessed and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving. All the inhabitants of heaven are giving thanks to God Almighty and honor and power and might be unto our god forever and ever amen the angels the inhabitants of heaven are giving thanks john sees a vision of people around the throne giving thanks to god for eternity but the bible says we should give thanks unto god but there are those that do not romans chapter 1 verse 21 because that when they knew god they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. People have lost their thankfulness today. Not, not everybody, I understand, but many people. They're just not thankful. You know, some, have you, are you around anybody that's a complainer? Complainers are not thankful. Think about that. Thankful people are not complaining people. But the Bible says they they neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Oh, don't you want to remain thankful unto God for everything he's done, folks? And are you thankful for the Bible, for his word? You know, a lot of people say, well, Dave, I would love to Uh, hear from God. I'd like to have Him speak to me. You guys talk about being Spirit-led. I'd love to have God speak to me. When's the last time you've read the Bible? Are you thankful for the Bible? A lot of people, they have a Bible, but they haven't read it in years. You understand that the Bible is the key to eternal life? Did you know that? When's the last time you read your Bible? Are you studying it? Are you asking God to speak to you through the Bible? It's a living book. It's just as relevant to us as it was 2,000 years ago. It's the key to eternal life. The keys are found in that book. And the Old Testament begins with creation. Think about that. We would know nothing about how we were created without the Bible. Am I thankful for that? You better believe I am. I want to know where I came from. What am I doing here? And where am I going? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word Genesis means beginning. It's the same word that um, genetics comes from. The root of our being is called genetics. The book of Genesis is the book of the beginnings. Most of the things that are um, of supreme importance in our our world today can be found in the book of Genesis. Genesis. Most of it is contained in the first, what, three chapters probably, just right uh, approximately three chapters. The book of Genesis contains the law of sin and death, sonship, the origins of the nations, the origin of languages, the, and the beginning of uh, man-made religion, and much more. I mean, it, it's important to understand that when you're thinking about the Bible, there were no sons of God in the Old Testament except for Adam. Now, why is that? Without the Bible, you you, you have no clue. When Adam fell, he lost his sonship, and he begat sons and daughters in his own image. They were not sons of God, because his image was now fallen. We don't find another son of God until we come to Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that he came to begat many sons into glory, right? Right? Jesus is the second Adam, and he came to purchase for us the original state of man lost by the first Adam. Now, folks, I'm telling you principles right now that are more important than anything else in your life. You have to understand what happened in the Old Testament and how God came to redeem us in the New Testament and make us sons of God to restore all that was lost under the first Adam And how can I be a part of that? And then where am I going? Where am I going to spend eternity? This is of utmost importance here. And again, I'm coming at thanksgiving from maybe a different angle than what you have heard. But should we be thankful to God for every breath that I take? Every heartbeat comes from the Lord. And I need to thank Him for that. The Bible says neither were they thankful. And they became vain in their imaginations. That when they knew God, they didn't recognize Him and they didn't acknowledge Him and they, knew, they weren't thankful for Him. Oh, folks, I'm thankful to God today. I'm thankful for His Word. There's another very important concept in the Bible. Without the Bible, we would, have, we would know none of this. We would be in the dark. Most folks don't understand this, but it's introduced to us early in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. This is a law that still affects us today. And it's called the law of sin and death. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Behold, all souls are mine, and the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. Here it is, the soul that sins, it's going to die. It's the, it's the law of sin and death. Romans 6.23 reveals, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law of sin and death ruled from Adam until Jesus Christ. Romans eight two says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, for 4,000 years, mankind was locked into this law of sin and death. And it reigned from Adam till Jesus Christ. Because all had sinned, and everyone was under the power of the law of sin and death. Well, when Jesus came, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has now made us free from the law of sin and death. You say, well, everybody on the planet? No. Those that have been born again. How do we get the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus in us so we can be liberated from the horrible state of affairs that the human race has been locked under for the last 6,000 years? How do we get out of that? How can I apply what Jesus did on Calvary to my life? But even though there is a way out, most people are still living under the law of sin and death. You understand? Only through Jesus Christ... Can we escape and, and, you know, we can discover how to take um, advantage of that, this just a majestic, marvelous, redemptive work of Jesus Christ so that we can regain innocence like Adam and Eve had and be happy to go to church. A lot of people don't want to go to church. You ever heard anybody say, uh, hey, would you like to go to church with me? No, if I went to church, the roof would cave in, right? You've heard of that. Well, that's because they're living under guilt. And, hey, I don't want to get around church people. I don't want to get around. I don't want God to notice me, even though he knows everything they're doing. He's giving them their next heartbeat and their next breath. But yet, I don't want to come under that because I'm guilty of the things I'm doing, right? But Jesus Christ can make you free from all of that. The Bible tells us this and explains all these concepts, folks. Now, when we look at um, Abraham, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, it covers about 2,000 years of the human history. 11 chapters of the Bible, 2,000 years. The flood, the Tower of Babel, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, all of them, 2,000 years. And then God slams on the brakes and He spends the next 12 chapters of the Bible on one person, Abraham. Abraham became the father of the physical people on the earth, the Jews, and the father of the spiritual people on the earth, the church of Jesus Christ. And he is the father of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And furthermore, God made a covenant with Abraham 4,000 years ago concerning the boundaries of the promised land that is still valid in Israel today and in the news every single day. So it's important that we understand the concepts of the Bible, right? So are you thankful for the Bible? Oh, my goodness. Come on. So, when I'm looking at life and I'm trying to understand where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And the enormity of it all, some of the things in life don't seem so important, do they? Again, I'm wrestling with inflation just like you are. I'm buying gas at the same gas station you are, at the same grocery store. Everything's up. I understand that. We're coming into Christmas. Thanksgiving is going to cost more than it did last year. I understand all that stuff. I understand world government, world religion, our crazy government that we have, the, the, uh, the um, fake voting uh, system that we have, horrible, and all the different things that are going on. But have I got so many things to be thankful for? You better believe it, because I'm telling you, this old world's not my home. I'm occupying till he comes. I'm just passing through here. And am I dealing with some things? Yes, I am. Dealing with inflation, dealing with all kinds of stuff. But you know what? I'm living as a Christian. I'm happy, and I'm trusting the Lord in all of it. And I'm very, very thankful. Wow, I've got so much to be thankful for even in the midst of all this turmoil and chaos. If you look back at the Bible, it gives so many concepts that help us in our daily lives. Moses, he's probably the most famous prophet of the Old Testament and was the deliverer of God's people out of Egyptian bondage. The Bible says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. There's concepts all throughout the Old Testament that are helping us in the New. Moses is the most revered figure in the New Testament by the Jewish people. Not only did the law come by Moses, but also the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle plan teaches us about the New Testament plan of salvation. Over time, Israel enters the promised land, and we go from the tabernacle plan to the first temple. When Israel built their first temple by King Solomon, that began the first temple era. The first temple era lasted for about, um, probably, uh, about 400 years. Afterward, the people of God disobeyed and rebelled against the laws of God, and then God sent them into exile because of their, uh, for their disobedience, their backslidden state. And you'll find that when Israel obeyed God, he blessed them, and when they disobeyed, God sent them into exile and sent his judgments on them, and he scattered them throughout the land. It happened over and over in the, in the Old Testament. The first exile happened about uh, 586 B.C., and this is when the first temple was destroyed. Seventy years later, the children of Israel were brought back to Israel, and they built the second temple. And that began uh, they began the second temple era, which continued all the way through the ministry of Jesus Christ and culminated in 70 A.D. And the fulfillment of that prophecy uh, that Jesus gave himself. And the Jewish people then, after that, went into another exile that was 1,878 years, almost 2,000 years. And then, of course, Israel comes back together as a nation, and that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy as well, Ezekiel 37. Then we jump to the New Testament. Messiah is born. The Old Testament provides many prophecies of the coming Messiah. And the Bible teaches us the central purpose for Jesus coming to this earth, which is of utmost importance to you and me, right? And this is why I'm so thankful that God would robe himself in flesh and come and die for me on Calvary, right? The central purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to build his church. And it also tells of the rejection and the crucifixion of Jesus and ultimately his resurrection, the redemption and the restoration of sonship. Remember, the first Adam lost paradise. And it was the goal of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to regain paradise for you and me. Oh man, folks, am I thankful for that? You better believe I am. These are the most important concepts in your entire life. This is going to determine where you spend eternity. And I'm thankful for God that God laid it out so perfectly to where I would know how to obey the gospel and have that what He did on Calvary applied to my life, and you can know it as well.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? Or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button.
0: Wow. Don't we have so much to be thankful for even in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, going on all around us. I'm sitting here as a Christian, a God-called minister, and I am so thankful. Going in tomorrow, we'll tell the stories, and we'll talk about how thankful we are to God. But we do it every day. We have prayer and devotions here at End Time, and me and my wife, we talk about it at home. So thankful for the blessings of God, especially The ones that are laid out in the Bible and what He has done for me for my eternal salvation. Think about this. Everything that was lost by the disobedience of the first Adam was purchased back for you and me by the obedience of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. We're able to tap into the marvelous, majestic work of the second Adam. The first Adam failed. But the second Adam was a smashing success. So are we thankful for Calvary today? Oh man. Come on. That, what else is more important in your life right now than the act of Calvary? What did the and here's a question. and I've asked, I've asked people this before, and they just sit there and stared at me. Very, very important. What did the coming of Jesus to the earth mean for us personally? What did it mean for me personally? I've asked them, what did it mean for you personally? We've asked that question many times. Well, I'm going to give you the answer today, because you've got more to be thankful for than you probably know. Now, I know most of you are thankful. I I get it. I know who I'm talking to. But there may be a segment. We're all the time getting new listeners and people following us, and I want to make sure that everybody gets these concepts because it will change your it will change the way you look at life and your perspective on things going on in the world. Say, how can I be happy when there's inflation going up? That's very simple. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Because if you make it to heaven, come on, I don't care if inflation went up a million percent. If I make it to heaven, hey. <laughs> I, this little short time I had to endure some of this stuff. I mean, come on. Do I like it? No, I don't like inflation going up. But I'm not going to let it steal my joy and my thankfulness to God for all He's done for me and my thankfulness for all my blessings that I have. I'm not going to lose that. So, what did Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us, What? Did, how can I apply Calvary to my life today? Well, the answer simply, why did He come? How do I apply that to me personally? The answer is found in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the Bible says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile to wit that god was in god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ in the earth. I'm an ambassador for Christ. If you're born again, you're living for God, you're an ambassador for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For ye hath made him, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus Christ had never sinned. That we might be made the righteousness of Christ in Him. Folks, you've got to get this principle here, this teaching, this understanding. That's, um, if you want to read it, that's 2 Corinthians 5 17 through 21. So when verse 17 says, I can become a new creature, does that literally mean Jesus Christ can turn a lost human being into a new person? Absolutely yes. It does because it happened to me. Now, I'm not going to take time to go through my testimony and all the crazy, wacky stuff I've did in my life. But God can take a, I don't care what you've done. You say, Dave, you don't know what I've done. Come on now. No, I don't care what you have done. I've known murderers. I've known thieves. I've known adulterers. I've known people that were in the LGBTQ lifestyle. I've known people that were pedophiles. I've known people that you just, you say, Dave, you don't know what I've done. Folks, I've dealt with so many people you can't even, in ministry, wow. People that were demon possessed and God drug, horror, I mean people that were just captivated by drugs and God turned them right around, and set their feet on a rock and said, you're not going to be like that anymore. You've given your life to me. You've been born again. I'm changing your life. And now they're walking as a normal person, a productive member of society, wonderful families, business owners, just leading a normal life. See, I didn't know God could do that. That's why he came and died for us, to do that very thing. Now, I'm not talking... Well, you know, so the thing is, since I've been born again, I've never been the same since the day I was born again. I'm not talking about some kind of an imagined pseudo-experience. I'm talking about a genuine spiritual experience that happened to me years ago. It changed my life forever. Pretty much overnight. Now... Before I truly experienced Jesus, I lived a life of condemnation and guilt. I, I, I thought God was angry at me all the time, and He was just anxious to punish me all the time. If I ever walked in a church, oh God, I'm, you know God will just beat me over the head. But listen at verse eighteen, the Bible says that I could be reconciled to God. What does it mean? What's what's the word reconciled mean? Well, the Latin word concilio means to bring together to bring together. The prefix re means again. So the word reconcile means to bring together again. Every person listening to me and myself, we were all separated from God by sin. But this scripture says that we can be reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. Well say how in the world does that work? Well, it seemed like the harder that I tried to find peace with God, the more I wrestled with condemnation. Okay, And then I found out the big secret that's in verse 19 here. There it says, God reconciled us unto himself by not imputing our trespasses to us. What does it mean when it says God would not impute our trespasses to us? Well, the word impute means to place on the account of, to attribute to. So, the secret that once we are in Christ, that's the key here though. Once we are in Christ, by being born again, then God will no longer impute your trespasses to you. You say, well, hold on a minute, that's not really fair. Well, I I understand that. And you say, well, how could that be possible? Well... Verse 21 explains it all. It says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He had never sinned, but He drank the cup of sin for all of us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus never sinned, but He loved us so much that He volunteered for our sins to be imputed to Him so that His righteousness could be imputed to us. You see how thankful you should be for so much in your life? You've got a God that came and died for you to purchase a plan of salvation to where you could go be with Him someday. And I'm not going to let things going on in my life that are minuscule compared to eternity. I'm not going to let that rock my boat, folks. Now, I'll try to to boil it down and make it as simple as possible. Again, got to get this concept. There was a law that ruled the human race from Adam until Christ. The law of sin and death. Defined in Ezekiel 18, 4. Behold, all souls are mine, the souls of the Father. So also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. There it is. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The law of sin and death. All of us lived under the law of sin and death, but God loved us and didn't want us to die. And so, He designed a plan to save, the, uh, to save us from the law of sin and death. And God said, I'm going to become a man and will be tempted like every other human being. However, I will not yield to those temptations. I will live a sinless life. And consequently, I will not deserve to die. But I'm going to trick Satan into killing me anyway. And when Satan kills me, he will have broken the law of sin and death. And since only the soul that sins must die, but Jesus Christ had never sinned. Once the law of sin and death is broken by Satan, then that contract is null and void and it will no longer be in force. You understand these concepts? When you can get this stuff, it's changed your life. Just totally change your life forever. Romans 8, 1 and 2. It explains it this way. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the key. In Christ Jesus. Got to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter to see the kingdom of God. To get into Christ Jesus, you do that by being born again. The Bible says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You say, how, does, how did His death pay my sin bill? Well, when we're born again, we don't owe the bill of sin any longer, which is only paid by death, right? But we look back to what Jesus Christ did on Calvary and His death. Jesus paid our sin, or paid our bill through his death, and we now have the promise of eternal life. And I would say to receive a thorough explanation of the born-again plan of salvation, my father-in-law Irvin Baxter wrote a brochure 50 plus years ago now called What Do You Mean Born Again? You can get, a, get your free brochure, one 800 363 8463 or visit endtime.com type in the search field what do you mean born again it's right there check it out if you need to do anything do it contact me I'll find you a church whatever we need to do so the answer is simple God robed himself in a human body at Bethlehem he lived a sinless life and then chose to die in my place and that means I don't have to die and now I have the wonderful gift of eternal life now Do I have anything to be thankful for? Not just tomorrow, but every day. Every morning, I get up thanking God for another day and thankful for Calvary and thank you for uh, leading a sinless life and dying for me so I didn't have to die. You say, well, you may die someday. My spirit is going to live on forever in an immortal body. And I don't have to go to the wrong place. I'm going to the right place very very important and so when when the trumpet sounds if I'm in the grave I'm coming out of the grave and if I'm still alive I will be caught up to meet them in the, in the in the air those that come out of the grave and so shall we ever be with the Lord
3: I've been part of the end time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents Irvin and Judy Baxter began ministry from the recliner in our living room my name is Jana Robbins I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day Please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon-coming king out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
0: You know, I know that some may ask, well, what do I do now? You know, I, I'm, I, you know I, I've been born again, what next? And it's very important. You need to be connected to a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church to help disciple you. Look at the New Testament church. That's how they functioned. And I'm very thankful that we have churches all over the world. I've, uh, End Time Ministries has sent tens of thousands of people to good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches over the years, all over the world, believe me. I've got a hold of so many missionaries and people just everywhere finding people, good churches, hopefully in their area. There have been a few where I said, look, you're going to have to follow us online or get a good hold of a good church online because they were hundreds of miles from a decent church. And you've got to do the best you can do, right? But I'm very thankful that the Bible tells us about all The Bible also, think about this, the Bible shows us the church age. You know, by studying the apostles, we're able to see how human beings, like you and me, how they put into practice the everyday teachings of Jesus Christ. It's what the New Testament, I mean, read the New Testament at some point. By studying the history of the early church, it allows us to see what the church should look like right now. You say, there is no way we could do that. That's how we're supposed to be living and doing, right? And so the church of the 21st century should look like the church of the 1st century. How they functioned, that's how we should function. say, well, my church don't do that. Well, maybe you need to say, "Uh, Pastor, what's up? You know? The Bible teaches that both Jews and Gentiles can be saved, too. Right now, I've got Jewish friends who are saved. So, there's no excuse why a person does not have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life right now. No excuse. You say, Dave, listen to me. I have sinned like you cannot imagine. Look, I I don't care about that, and neither does God. You need to get over that hump. I've dealt with so many people over the years that said, oh, I've done this, or I've done that, and I've done that a million times. Uh, look, I, I got all that. I can tell you people in church that I know of right now that God has completely turned their life around that did just about anything you can imagine. And God loved them, and God changed their life. There's no excuse. Zero Excuse? What excuse could you come up with on the judgment day to say, "Well, oh God, I, you know, I didn't serve you because uh, I just did this and I couldn't get over that." No, there's no, there's no excuse. And you say, "Well, wow, Dave, that's pretty strong." Yeah, it's pretty strong because I'm trying. I want to get people to heaven, and I am. I tend to be kind of blunt, and I know that. But do you think Jesus Christ was blunt at times? (laughs) a lot more than I am. And the Apostle Paul, some of those guys. I mean, sometimes you got to grab somebody by the lapels and say, listen to me. God loves you. Do you understand? I'm so thankful, so thankful today that God did not look at me and say, Dave, you're a lost cause. You're hopeless. Because I I, I was not a saint, believe me. And, but God loved me and he changed my life. And I'm telling you, he can do it for you too. And I know, as sure as I say that, you're sitting there going, but I, Dave, you don't know. No, listen, I do know. I do know. And so it's very important that you understand God loves you and He came and died for you regardless of what you've done. It's very, very important you understand that. God is love. Love. Unconditional love. God had you on His mind when He was hanging on the cross. Do you understand? And so, of utmost importance, we get these concepts. Am I thankful? You better believe I am. better believe I am. The Bible talks to, talks to us again about the millennium, things that are coming in the future. So the Bible helps us with things in the past. Where did we come from? What am I doing here? The early church. How should I be living my life? And where am I going? Bible prophecies, they fulfill the... They foretell the second coming, the battle of Armageddon, all these different things, prophecies concerning uh, Jesus and how he's crowned King of kings and Lord of lords and that Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. And it's the beginning of the 1,000-year millennial reign. There's going to be a thousand years of peace when Jesus Christ will rule in justice and righteousness. At the end of the thousand years, Satan's going to be loose for a little season. At the end of the human experience... When there, is, there will be no more humanity, when it, after the great white throne of judgment, um, all humanity is going to forever be destroyed, and we will inherit eternal life. Now, I hope all among, all, uh, everybody that's listening is part of this second category, right? And then at the end of all of this, of course, we have the great white throne of judgment. It takes place, and when that takes place, is it plunges us into eternity, before the world began, there was eternity. The Bible says, "In the beginning," so there was a, a beginning. Eternity has never stopped. We've, we've just had seven thousand years of human existence here. And then, when the great white, once the great white throne is done, we go back off into an eternal existence. And the Bible says there will be world without end. I don't know what's out there in eternity. I know I'm going to be with the Lord, exploring the whole thing. Now, he's already been there. He's probably going to sit us around the throne and say, okay, let me me tell you guys some stories. Can you imagine being there? I'm going to be there. If God will help me and have mercy upon me, I'm going to be there and I'm going to hear him tell me about what was there 50 trillion years ago. This one planet that he created. And this one type of people, I don't know. They mean, The Bible says world without end. I don't know what's out there, but I'm going to be with him. I'm going to tell you that. I don't care what I have to do. And I want you to be there as well. You say, is it really come down to, uh, you know, that to where it's kind of black and white like that? Yep, it is. You're either going to be with him or you're not. That's the Bible. And I'm going to be with him. I don't care what I have to do. I'm, I'm reading the Bible, I'm studying it, I know what it says about salvation, and I'm doing that. I mean, there's no two ways. And so it's very, very important that we understand these concepts. How does what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, how can I apply that to my life close to 2,000 years later? If I don't understand that, I need to go to some websites or contact End Time Ministries or keep listening to our program or something so that you get those concepts down. Get in a good Bible study. Let somebody teach you about those concepts. Now, I know a lot of people that have been through several Bible studies and you talk to them about the law of sin and death and they say, what? The law of sin and death? That makes no sense. And I'm like, it's a revolutionary concept. And once you understand it, it can help you in your walk with God because you can make it. I know a lot of Christians... That still live under guilt. Oh, I did, you know, I, I I I did a sin ten years ago or fifteen years ago, and I just can't, I can't let it go. Listen, God has let that thing go. You need to learn how to let it go. Get over that hump and live for Jesus Christ. He forgot about it a long time ago. You repent and keep get up, dust yourself off, and keep on going. Don't hold on to that stuff. You can make it. It's freeing. The Bible says that he won't Once you're a born again, once people that are in Christ, he will not impute their sins unto them. You can do something if you make a mistake. Repent. Get up. Dust yourself off and keep on the straight and narrow. Don't let that take give you an exit off of the straight and narrow. That's Satan's master plan. Don't do that. That's deception. Jesus Christ came to die. Purchase a new plan of salvation that if you're a born-again individual and you make a mistake, get down on your knees and ask God to forgive you for your sins and get up and keep on going. You can make it. All the rest of us are going through the same thing. Okay? You're not the only one out there isolated. All of us, everybody has made a mistake after they were born again. Everybody. You're not isolated. You can make it. Okay? So, don't live under guilt. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation. Okay? How do we live in that? You've got to get these concepts down. Now, are you thankful? Even in, a, even in a world of turmoil and craziness, once you understand where I came from, what I'm doing here, what's my purpose, and where I'm going, man, I can be thankful. I can sit that and say, you know what? Yeah, I am paying $3 plus a gallon for gas. Now, I'm in Texas. When you guys are in California and all that, you may be paying a lot more. I'm just saying, regardless of what I'm paying for gas, regardless of what the groceries are costing and the high energy bills and all the different things that all of us are dealing with and this craziness in the government, all this nuttiness, perilous times, I'm still thankful. This is the season of Thanksgiving. We're focused on it, but it should be every day. But am I thankful? Oh, man, come on, everybody. You better believe I am. That the God of heaven would robe himself in flesh and come to earth and die for me to where I didn't have to live under guilt and condemnation all the time, and I can live as a free, a free individual. I'm not under the law of sin and death anymore. I've been made free from that. You talk about a liberating experience. I know people that have been in church for years that still live under condemnation for something they did 20 years ago. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Satan's got you tied up in a knot. You need to understand these principles. Without the Word of God, how would you even know about them? But most people don't because they don't study the Word of God. And it's very important. I'm talking to non-Christians and Christians today. Very important. You understand these principles. You want to live as a free Christian. This is how to do it. And so, all of these things are recorded in the Bible. The Bible teaches us about this marvelous, magnificent, intelligent God that we serve. And he's got plans that go way beyond the 7,000 years recorded in the Bible, right? From the when the earth was created, all of the human existence, all the way to the great white right throne of judgment, and we go off into eternity again. Eternity never stopped. But there's this 7,000 years of recorded human existence here. And so, but once you know, hey, here's where I came from, Here's why I'm here. Here's where I'm going. And I can live a successful Christian life and be reconciled unto God while I'm here. Wow. Am I thankful? You better believe it. How about having this conversation with your family tomorrow? Strike up this conversation. See how it goes. Thank God tomorrow for all of His many blessings, for Calvary, and for the concepts given in the Bible that let us know, you know what? I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't, but he can. And that's the point of all of this. What he did on Calvary allows me to live a free Christian life in this time.
3: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries.